Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. And this week we got a jam-packed show. We've got a, a new data slate to round out the last of 9th edition. We've got some more drips and drabs of what to expect in 10th edition. And of course, two major events, all of them in merry old England, with some of the top players in the world in action. So let's start with uh, the present day. Let's talk about the data slate that just came out, uh, supposedly uh, bringing balance to the force. So overall impressions, Robert, did it do enough? Or is this... Uh, do you think we can squeeze in one more fixum before the end of the season? I, I would snore on actual recording, but that would be... I'm really good at that. Am I going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> the, the overall fix that they did was something that could have potentially been left alone if they just, you know, didn't give free upgrades for Dark Angels. Because Dark Angels were the big boogeyman. Um, they removed the last bullet point out of the inner circle ability, which is the trans part, of it, which is a big deal. But I mean, it's something that if they were to get rid of it, they should have gotten rid of it a long time ago. Yeah. It was funny. There was a leaked version floating around. And it was obviously a hoax, but it just said they would have made it to many transhuman. So the fact that they eliminated it completely, it was a little bit of surprise, but. And then another big one, Death Watch, they fixed the tech. They fixed the doctrines for them, although I kind of figured that they were like that to begin with because we never see them on the table. Yeah, that was one of those too. It's kind of like when a famous celebrity is like, oh, they died. It's like, they're, I thought they already died. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the same way. It's like, isn't that how it is? I, I didn't realize this is a change, so I had no idea. I, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I'm still befuddled by uh, why intercessors can't use special ammo. But anyway, moving on. So it just, it's... Mm-hmm. And... The one thing that actually does make things a little better is they actually touched secondaries in general. So they realized that the combat doctrines, being able to stay in the same doctrine all game, is not only a super powerful thing, it's also kind of a broken thing. So specifically for Space Marines, the Codex Warfare secondary got capped at five victory points a turn, which effectively translates to... Hey, you Marines, stop killing your opponents so quickly. Let them actually play the game. God dang it. And they also affected a coal order, which I think is either Colts. I don't know. That one doesn't ring a bell. I'm not sure either. I don't even remember that. But anyway, by, but yes, it is Gene Steeler. I think it was another cap into how much you can earn per turn or something like that. Because the wording on it is at the end of the battle, for each battlefield role that was selected, score three victory points of one or more in your opponent's army with that battlefield has been destroyed. Oh no, that's Death Watch. Okay, <laughs> so score five victory points instead of every unit in your opponent's army with the battlefield role has been destroyed. So basically it's instead of whatever it was, now it's a much more beneficial thing of it at the end of the battle for each battle rule selected. Okay, so that secondary actually kind of hurts a little bit because it says for each different battlefield rule. So if you're walking into something that only has like two or three, you can you can cap out at 10, but you have to effectively table your opponent. It's, it's a weird wording for me. Like, why wouldn't they just make it up? If you killed at least one thing, get five points. Like, just make it a flat five. Mm-hmm. None of this nine, 12, whatever. None of that. I understand if your opponent brought one of every kind, like brought multiple things, like, oh, there's an HQ. There's a troop, there's a fast attack, dedicated transport. There's an aircraft. Like a, there's a flyer. 
there's yeah that kind of thing if they brought a whole bunch of different things it'd be really good but right now we realistically only see armies bring something like four maybe five different force rogue slots and sometimes those force rogue slots are really really hard to kill and it's either like one or two maybe of them so yeah yeah, I mean, the big thing I look at is also with Arcs of Omen, because uh, it used to be like, okay, it's troops and what else am I killing? Now you're not even required to take troops anymore. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's just like, yeah, I mean, what they did give them was the partial. It used to be all or nothing. You like you had to eliminate all the uh, units of that particular troops uh, organizational slot. Now you get mm-hmm. some points for, I killed a lot of them. So. Yeah, and it's, if, you have, if you literally blow up every single um, force work slot that you picked, it's five points instead of three, which, yeah, means you actually were doing the game right. The um, the one secondary that they did touch for Gene Stealer Cult is Swarm. Yes, that's what I thought you were mentioning. Yeah. Yeah, that one, they got rid of the first and the last bullet points of it, which I don't own that book, so I have no idea how that secondary... Well, actually, no, it's in the arcs. I just don't have it, so... Yeah, yeah unfortunately, the app has already been updated, so, yeah, it's one of those... Okay, what did they take out? So... <laughs> Yeah, because I know that one just scored super wildly. It has something like five bullet points attached. Yeah. Um, this one. If I remember right, you got like all these extra points if you outnumbered your opponent in their deployment zone, no man's land in your deployment zone. So they put a couple limits on that. So yeah, it was something like there was no way you could stop your opponent from getting twelve or thirteen points in like two turns because of it. Right. After they come in, the last change was they actually moved aboard the witch to purge the enemy instead of that one. I can understand putting it that way because if they left it as an aboard uh, as a warpcraft choice, then you would run into games where a psyker heavy army just kind of loses because they can double up on assassin and aboard the witch. So every character that is a psyker is basically worth. So I, I applaud them for the creativity i just don't know if that's going to be enough to bolster the thousand suns and gray knights like they, they mentioned in the uh meta watch video I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be enough to fix you know solve all their issues no it's definitely not i can from because of the fact that gray knights are already incredibly fragile they are just going to die anyway it makes it so that way your character, as much as your opponent wants to chase after them, they're still going to look at your army and go, I'm taking a board because every single unit gets to cast powers and those points add up very instead of chasing after character, which in the same kind of case as Thousand Sun, I can now look at them and go, okay, I don't need to chase after your characters anymore. I can just bore the witch and no prisoner. (laughs) Focus on the strike squads and stuff like that. But yeah, otherwise, um, a lot of the, a lot of the changes that they put in here, I feel like they honestly really matter. I mean, the Tyranids, they get to do their, their pick and choose stuff at the start of the game and stuff again. So that allows them to have some flexibility. Yeah. Some strategic adaptation or something like that. I forgot what it's called. Yeah. Which is, go through their entire flow chart of weird mutations i thought it was an interesting just from a standpoint was that sisters of battle have a similar one and it never got removed so part of me is like why did you take that one out 
especially after all the other nerfs you put on to Tyranids. And number two, mm-hmm. when they talked about in a previous article about 10th edition, apparently Tyranids have that as part of one of their <laughs> new detachments coming out. So it's like, it's back in 10th. So I'm like, not good enough for 9th. But I, I think it's because of the fact that the Sisters one, the one that you pick, it's always the same ability. Whereas the Tyranid table it's you get to pick an ability from this table and they each have like a handful of different... yeah it might be but it had to do with but oh well it's back so mm-hmm. um the ultimate evolution is finally adaptable again so pretty yeah. cool and then they did touch stuff on astro militarum so the they did cap the mortal wounds per phase when you use overcharged last cell stratagem so yay, not dishing out 18 mortal wounds across <laughs> three different units kind of thing. And the, I believe, yeah, the finial of the Nemordesh, like the Nemordesh first, whatever relic that is, it's now restricted only Astro Militarum core. So you can't have tanks and Kasserkin and other things ignore um, face like wound caps and hmm, or I, I don't know if Kasserkin are actually core or not, but either way, it's now basically guardsmen ignore all of that i don't know much about anything else and yeah otherwise this the status it was just too little there wasn't a lot of stuff to realistically make the last bit of ninth edition actually exciting and healthy because the big the big issue is now the desolation because those things you put them in dark angels they stand still they get plus one to hit (laughs) yeah just but it's uh that much firepower being indirect so positioning doesn't matter it's strictly in range it will die and um mm-hmm. seems to be the sweet spot is you know, two to three ten man squads and they're just you know able to just stand behind a wall and obliterate um what gets too close it's you know, so it's very difficult yeah it's the it's the orc squig buggy problem again where Okay, here's my nine squig buggies. They can all shoot out of my sight. They all get plus one to hit. Whoop de doo and free booters. Let's go. Like that entire mess again. So yeah. the the status light I honestly feel was pointless. Like there's nothing that GW can do now because tenth edition is on the way and there's a lot more exciting stuff coming out in tenth edition and how this game is going to work, which is a tough cookie to crack, kind of like their vehicles. <laughs> Yeah. So let's move on to the uh, the, the updates from uh, 10th edition. Um, oh, yes. I, before I uh, get revoked from Kamra, uh, uh, yes. Uh, Jukari did get uh, Talos and Kronos got their core keyword back. Mm. Uh, once again, too little, too late. Um, the good news is that gives them T7 when they're near Homoculus. And if you play the Kutiri of the Homoculus, I think it's called, it's the Army of Renowned. Um, all of a sudden, Talos benefit from all kinds of shooting uh, bonuses in that particular army of renown. Beyond that, um, whoopee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that bit I do feel bad for missing because it was like, it was just so underwhelming because nothing is really, has really changed. There are a couple other odds and ends. I, I can't remember. Um, honestly, um, the Auspex scan, uh, they do kind of a YouTube video. Did a nice job of summarizing it. You can see it there, but um, I guess, yeah, the Dark Angel thing is great, but with the Desolated Marines, it just feels like, mm-hmm. eh, not enough. Yeah. But yes, there were some drips of 10th edition, so. Yeah. So, 
in vehicle stuff, we actually got the entirety, except for one bit, of what the Rhino was like, which everyone's favorite 12-inch moving box of, hey, carry me around, is still only 10 wounds, still has a 3 of armor save, uh, but it's now the toughness of 9. Yeah, this is another one long overdue. I didn't understand this when back in the 8th, when they did this. And they got rid of the horrible armor-facing rules and replaced it with the toughness value. I kept looking at those going like, is this a misprint? Maybe they'll get a fix when the Codex comes out. And uh, so, yeah, uh, T9 uh, seems very appropriate. And uh, when we, we see some of the uh, vehicle uh, rules come through, as well as some of the weapon rules, I'm like, okay, we're off to a good start. Uh, we also see that the, the OC, so its ability to hold objectives, is at 2. Mm-hmm. So apparently it's not quite objective secured, but it's a little bit more than just a, a dude. So that's kind of cool. Yep. So it also shows off some of the core rules that most vehicles will have, which Deadly Demise is the classic explosions. Yay! Balls of confetti rolling across the... I'm just excited that this is the one rule I can never... Memorize. Okay, this vehicle, is it a six-inch blast at D3, or is it just one? Okay, this vehicle, it's a six-inch blast, but it's only D3. No, no, it's just one. No, it's D6. I could never keep track of it. So this makes it a very simple, it blows up on a six, and it causes D3 mortal wounds. They're all consistent. Yeah, the, the explosion distance will just need to be explained in the actual rules because of the fact that it would make sense for something to be deadly demise d3 for three inches and deadly demise d3 for six like they would just have to clarify which like if it was a different rule it's called a different rule that's what i thought they should have done that explode was one radius and detonation was a a different radius Mm -hmm. so i knew the difference does it have explode or detonate then i knew which rule i was using always had to look it up every and my raiders die every game and i still had to look it up okay which one how much does the raider do versus the venom oh it's a pain in the butt so this is a nice concise thing of these are the new rules these are it again it's going to simplify things to a point where we can act i'm very excited to go here's my entire spreadsheet of keywords Mm -hmm. and bring that with my codex and i can literally tell you oh that's what this does. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. Because um, as we talked about before, I kind of walk into an army or a game, I should say, and I've got my like offensive coordinator clipboard with every stat for every unit in my, my stratagems, all, all on a, based on an 11 by 14 piece of paper. And now, yeah, I don't have to make those anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to just for reference on some things because... Yeah, it's handy. The yeah. the second rule that they show off on the Rhino is, guess what? We're open-topped again. Or the first time ever <laughs> for Rhinos, because it has a rule called Firing Deck 2, which effectively means that like two models can fire out of it. That's correct. That's back in the old days. used to call Fire Points. So uh, it's back, folks. So if Ray was here, he'd say, oh, it's edition 6.5 all over again. Like, it's pretty close. Um, but yes, uh, access points were an old rule from, actually, I remember from 5th edition when I used to play Chaos Space Marines. So yeah, they're back. Um, so guys, so you, yeah, in 8th edition, they got rid of all that. So only open top vehicles could shoot. Now everybody, I guess, has hatches. So yeah, so it'll just depend on what kind of chassis you got. Like I would imagine a Raider would be like um, 
firing deck five or six or something. Like it might be, it might be to say open topped, in which case it's unlimited. That's what they did in the past. Mm-hmm. Certain vehicles, uh, I believe it's the Chimera from Astro Militarum, had five fire points. Um, some other vehicles, I believe Land Rangers, do not have fire points, for example. Yeah, because they don't have windows. Right. So the last thing that is actually special to the Rhino itself, it fixes its. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. Makes me wonder what the tech priests are going to be doing all day. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're still going to follow these things around and fix them even faster. Otherwise, they only gain a single wound at the end of your command phase. And as for the weapons, it has the same Storm Bolter as the Terminator did. So Rapid Fire 2 gun, 24 inches, hits on a 3, strength 4, blah, 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 blah. Um, the armor tracks. Vehicles can now hit on other numbers besides 6. Yeah, I was a little annoyed by this. Because <laughs> that's what made <laughs> Drew Carty and uh, Harlequin vehicles special, is they hit on 3s and 4s. And they <laughs> like, what the heck is this? Well, since when do... Space Marine vehicles start hitting on fours. Yeah, and that's the same kind of thing with orc vehicles. Orc vehicles would hit on fours because the orcs are just driving over stuff. But when they hit, oh man, it hurts. Um, and then we get to see the good old hunter killer missile, and it actually explains what the one shot rule is. It is quite the same of you can only fire it once per game. Yep. So pretty neat stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this layout. I mean, it's really easy to read easy to follow. Um, if I come up to an army I've never played before and I can easily follow along because there's not a whole lot of unique terms, you know, it's just like, okay, what does that do again? Which I ran to in my last game and it's kind of went, I- I'm too tired to figure out what this army does. So I'll just find out the hard way. Mm-hmm. And I did. So um, <laughs> so now it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be gotcha because I don't know every codex off the top of my head. Super excited about this. So in the rest of the vehicle article, they actually do give some examples of vehicles that are scaling upwards because obviously a vehicle only being a single body on an objective would be kind of rude. So they gave them kind of scaling up numbers like the new Storm Speeder. So one of the Primaris chassis is just labeled a Storm Speeder. So it's probably going to be an interchangeable thing with like points of whatever chassis it actually is for whatever gun. Um, the Storm Speeder. It moves a whopping 14 inches. It's also toughness 9. It has 11. But it has a body of 3, for obje- which is like, huh, that's interesting. Why would a speeder have 3 bodies on there? Well, I mean, it has 3 dudes. It would be the sarcastic. Exactly. And then we go down to something like the Gladiator Valiant, which is a actually scary-looking thing for my knights because it's last cannons and a whole bunch. Um, it only moves 10. It is toughness 10. A three up save 12 wounds and has the same body of three as so okay vehicles within nine ten toughness range might count as three bodies all the time so it's a thing to keep track of and then we get up to the repulsor chest it only moves 10 it is toughness 12 three up save 16 wounds it's still a big boy but it has an oc of five so i'm starting to speculate Pure speculation. As I said, armagers and larger knights are going to be probably six and seven, and then a larger knights could be up as high as ten. Yeah, and it actually does reference this in the article at one point. It there we go. So so while toughness nine used to be the highest you'd ever see in game in the new edition, you could find units like the orc stompa with toughness as high as fourteen. And before everybody freaks out, what's what's scroll back to last week's show for a second the power fist comes in at strength eight so okay 
you're only wounding these vehicles on fives, but it's not like impossible. But if you remember, the chain fist has the anti-vehicle roll. So I don't care about your toughness. I'm still wounding you on a three plus. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, ooh, chain fist, good. The trade-off there is you take if you take a chain fist, you hit on fours instead of threes with the power fist. True. So against non-vehicles, the chain fist isn't going to be as great because sure you hit on fours and you wound on three, but you still only hit on four. Whereas if you're worried about wounding a vehicle with that, it's all right fours, and now I'm looking for threes, even though I'm like toughness not that much. Right. Now, take into account, remember, the uh, Oath of Moment ability as well as the uh, Fury ability. So the uh, t said Terminators with said weapons are plus one to hit and rerolling hits and wounds. Yeah, so it's it's very much the... They have ways of dealing with this incredibly high toughness bracket because of the fact that Melta guns don't have that rule unless you give it to them because Melta's had the Melta rule, which is just a flat plus two if you're within half range. Yeah, which I was surprised by. I would assume Demelta would have the anti-vehicle role, but it does not. Well, I mean, the Melta's kind of good at killing everything, yeah, <laughs> given so, it can actually hit something. Yep. So you probably say, how does Eric know that? Well, it, that was the next article that was uh, previewed, which was the weapon rules. Yep. And this one, we'll, we'll actually start out with something that I know a lot of people don't whine and cry about because it doesn't really matter unless you're like that kind of guy and you're trying way too hard and that's oh hey your intercessor doesn't have a normal bolt rifle he has an assault so you don't have the extra it's now just a bolt rifle <laughs> i'm super happy about this because as somebody like i'm helping a friend with their space marine army and it's like analysis of par the paralysis of analysis do we go with the auto bolt rifle, the stalker bolt rifle, or the regular bolt rifle? I, I don't know what the right choice is, and it can change from game to game to opponent to opponent to meta to meta. It's now a bolt rifle, and it has everything you want it to do. Yep. So it has the assault and the heavy keywords, which actually explains attached to the weapon data sheet, which it always fires two shots. It ha hits on threes. It is strength four, AP one one damage it is the normal stats of a normal rapid fire bolt rifle and but sure it doesn't have the rapid fire that's fine they made it two shots anyway so when a weapon has the assault keyword in their profile it can still advance and shoot just like normal assault weapons did but they specifically say you only can resolve shots with assault keyword weapons so that means no throwing grenades at random, no pistols, no heavy weapons, no nothing. But there's no minus to hit. Yeah, no degradation, which is really nice. And it's a lot easier to figure out, can I or can't I? Okay, I can advance and shoot with mm -hmm. the assault weapons. Fantastic. And then for the heavy stuff, it's no longer, if you move, it take. there's no longer a, if your infantry model moves, it's a minus one to hit. It's if your model remained stationary. Well, if the model's unit remains stationary, Plus one day. Yeah, the only downside I could see is the old stalker rifle had uh, two damage, but okay, I'm yeah. okay with this. You know, a lot easier to keep track of. But the the two damage trades off because you now fire a second shot automatically instead of just one. Correct. And then we get down to something that actually bothers me a little bit, and that's the assault cannon that the Terminators have. So this thing has the devastating wounds thing. I know the last episode when we. Well, the episode that we initially covered all the Terminator stuff, we were kind of speculating what this was. And I, I think we came kind of, um, 
with devastating wounds, every time you roll a six to wound, to translate it here to chew things, well, an unmodified, you do mortal wound equal to the damage of the weapon, and the attack sequence ends. Yeah, that's a little of a scary proposition. <laughs> so, like the assault cannon, it is 24 inches with six shots that hits on threes at strength six with no AP and one damage. So, if, let's say, a Terminator squad can take two of these, that's 12 shots that can potentially translate in 12 mortal wounds, given you roll the improbability of rolling 12 hits and then 12 sixes. <laughs> right. I was thinking of further weapons where damage two, damage three, and all of a sudden, yeah, roll the six to hit, that's three mortal wounds. I'm like, ah! So. Yeah. That one, I think, would be more aligned, like bigger guns with less shots, that kind of thing. Something like maybe an auto cannon, like an auto cannon, maybe. Yeah, or what? I forgot what the big Gatling gun of the knights is. I can see. That oh yeah, happening. the event. Yeah, the avenging Gatling cannon. Yeah, I can see that happening. And then we get to the actual melto rifle for marines. So melto rifles, they come with the heavy keyword. So if they stay, if they, if the unit stands still, plus one to hit. And it is now and melta two. So weapons with the melta X. So it can be a different number in their profile each time they're within half range. The damage characteristic is increased by X, whatever the melta value is. So like the classic melta rifle is D6 at 18 inches. Once you hit nine inches, it is now D6. So it went down from 24 inches down to 18. So a much shorter range gun. I didn't even pick up on the range change. It's well spotted. I didn't see that. Yeah, it surprised me too because of the fact that if strategic reserves and stuff like that is still a thing in 10th edition and you still have to out arrive outside of nine... That is no more instant, hey, I arrive in Melter. Yeah. But it does put Melters up to strength 9, and they're still AP minus 4. So they are still incredibly... Actually, now to think about it, the um, the insertion uh, strategy we talked about last episode talked about 9 inches away, so that has not changed. So you're right. You'll be, if you're coming in from reserve, you'll be outside of Melter range. So... Yep, that means my vehicles don't die. Unless... So next, we actually go up to... Actually, we're going to skip the Eldar one for a second. Because... What? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. We're keeping the Marines all linked together. All right. I was excited. There's something... Okay, it's not just going to be a Tyranid and Space Marine edition. Excellent. <laughs> so yes. I mean, the Marine ones showcase most of the rules at this point. So that's why covering those first. So for those of you that played 7th edition and backwards twin linked might might remind you of some good old days of like re-rolling a hit roll kind of thing uh it no longer does that twin linked now just flat out re-rolls wound rolls yeah i was not happy with this not that it should be re-rolling hits i just was like oh i wish it was twin linked x where x was what results you had to re-roll mm -hmm. <clears throat> so like yeah. re-rolling ones or re-rolling ones and twos just for the standpoint of, uh, I wound you on fours. Oh, I'm twin linked. I now go from wounding you 50% of the time to 75% of the time. So it's actually better than being plus one strength. That mm. is a huge leap. So the example that they have are bolt storm aggressors. So the gauntlets, 18 inches, again, the short range. They have three attacks each. So that'd probably be six shots of doom. And they hit on threes, they're strength four, no AP and one damage, but they're twin. And because they're aggressors, they're built into their power, which their power fists are three attacks hitting on fours at strength eight, minus two with. Actually, 
It says auto storm, auto bolt storm gauntlets, plural. So I'm beginning to wonder because he has two of them. That's what makes them twin links. So is it a total of three shots or it will be a total of six shots? I think that's still up for debate. I'm not sure. I guess that is a point because of the fact that the weapon profile lists exactly how many shots it gets. So like the power fist says three attack. Well, by the logic, oh, he has two power fists. He should get six attacks. Well, mm -hmm. that's that's not how it works any because it's he has power fists. So here's your profile. You don't get to make the attack twice with your power fists because that would jump up to like a lot of extra attacks. Yeah, yeah, six attacks at strength eight. Ah, look out! So I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, and uh, but just I'm just looking at that. That was one of the ways they got around some of the oppressive attack numbers in previous editions. So and now we jump up to the thing that got Eric all excited. <laughs> we actually do have an example of an Eldar weapon, so a shuriken cannon. So it comes with the rule of ignores cover. And sustained hits one. Ignored cover is kind of simple, where you just ignore cover. But sustained hits, the way it translates, because it was also on stuff like termagants and hormagants, where it's it was sustained hits one, I believe. But weapons with that trait, every time you roll a six to hit, it generates an additional hit by that number. So it would be some like um hail of doom kind of style where on sixes to hit, it generates an additional hit. That kind of thing. So if you roll buckets and you roll a lot of sixes, that's a lot of extra hit. Or you strands of fate to not even roll. Just put those sixes out there. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't talk about the sh that shenanigans, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm assuming that like Tesla weapons, which each hit, each six becomes a three hits. So they're going to be sustained two. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, I can see how this, I can picture the next codices being written as they went through these rule changes. So that was kind of cool. But uh, ignores cover. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a new twist to shuriken cannons. I don't know if it's unique to the cannon version or all the shuriken weapons. But um, I also be curious to see, because right now we all have the confusion. Well, which cover does that? Does it negate hard cover, dense cover, light cover? I don't know. Yep. And the cannon is still a, a stout weapon because I know the shuriken cannons are base strength sick with like zero to one AP and they are two damage. And then they jump up in AP when you score. So at that point, it's now just strength six, AP one, two damage ignores cover. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Interesting. Okay. And I do like the blurb that they put at the end of the weapon article. Why shouldn't aggressors get to ride? <laughs> Which I think that's actually something that we missed. Vehicle article. I think the transports are now agnostic. They don't restrict people from getting in them is how people kind of figured it out. It might be. We'll have to see what they come out with. If it's like a universal rule that every transport holds this many models and this model counts as one, these models count as two, these models count as four, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but, very um, much like the horse heresy rules where your Terminator is bulky two or bulky three or whatever, and that's how much space it takes up in it. Right. But so otherwise, yeah. yeah, like there was the, that was the newest stuff for 10th edition. We're honestly not going to talk about the the Lions pre-release because it basically didn't happen because they sold out within minutes. Unbelievable again. Hey, I'm glad to see there's a healthy uh, demand for the product. Especially when that product can make something like 11 attacks that are all AP5 and 4 damage. Right. So, 
yeah, we'll be talking about mid-table obscurity in a little bit, and uh, we're curious to see if um, how much would change we'll see in Dark Angels. But other than that, like there wasn't really a whole lot for 10th edition that they released in these last few days because the balanced data slate came out, and yeah, we kind of just <laughs> that thing wasn't important. Nope. So there we go. Hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extreme House Podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. And uh, so what does that mean? Well, we still had two large events, uh, as we mentioned, one in London, the other one, I'm not sure where the uh, other event is. I know it's in England, but I forgot where in England, so I do apologize for that. But uh, let's start things started with the London Open G. This is the April version, so not the super big one, but uh, mm-hmm. still pretty large. They had uh, over uh, 150 players attend the event, so always very cool to see that. And some familiar faces at the top of the leaderboards. Robert, yep, if you I have do. That handy. So, we will make a a quick thing for the man who came in sixth place, a familiar name of Alex Harrison, dropping his record in round three against, I'm going to say, the winner of the event. No, he lost to Vic Bajay in round three. Hey. Friend of the show who also came so, in 12th at this particular the, event. The top five for the London Open was that of Malik Amin Rubio on... Dark Angels. Bleh. <laughs> no, no offense to you, Malik, but Dark Angels are incredibly boring for me. Then we have Clement Tornad, Yanari, Lewis Smith in third place with Demon. In second place, we have Martin Cooper with Astro Militarum. And the man who took it all is the madman himself, Manny Chima, with 
Yeah, no surprises there. But um, congratulations to all. Uh, 17th place, another honorable mention, uh, Polly Wallace from uh, Real Space Raiders with Drew Carey doing yep. really well. So I'm pretty sure this this event was sick and tired of seeing Dark Angels everywhere. Yeah, Dark Angels are that kind of army because they're just stubborn and resilient. <laughs> yeah. They're and fluffy. By, and as we jump to our other England-based event, it was in Yorkshire. So Thank the you. last of the summer, Winehammer 4. There better be a decent amount of wine choices there. Otherwise, this is very... So, in third place... Not third place. Fifth place, I can... We have Ricky Lowe. <laughs> Hopefully, that's Ricky and not Usi. Anyway, he came in fifth place with Worldy. Yelling and screaming at your opponent while you're running down the field seemed to work out. <laughs> in fourth place, we have exactly. Stephen Platten with Gene Steeler Cold. In third place, we have Paul Martin with Da Orcs. Coming out of nowhere to steal that third place. Way to go, buddy. In second place, we have David Irving with Iron Hands. Probably Iron Hand successor. And in first place, we have Mike Porter, who is the most consistent player ever. 97s across the board. <laughs> yes. With Gene Steeler Cold. So I guess he's for game. Uh, given up on the, the clowns and moved to the, the cult. Okay, interesting. Well, so. I mean, with the clowns, he probably played a lot of bodies. With this army, still a whole lot of bodies. And a couple of trucks. So there you go, the top, uh, the biggest events from this past weekend. There's a few other events in Australia uh, to look out for. We'll see if there's any uh, news or uh, revelations from those particular events as well. But here in the States, there's a lot of smaller events. So uh, that's pretty much the big events for the weekend. So taking a look at uh, the mid-table obscurity, if you're new to the show, basically what we're looking at there is the most often played factions from those players that went two and three or three and two so the middle of the rankings and that's where most players uh, hang out when it comes to winning percentages so your top five remains relatively unchanged uh custodes astro militarum chaos demons and the suriani being their top four and uh with minimal changes from um last week chaos space marines occupy the fifth but they now have fifth spot they have a new uh ties are now tied with votan so leaks of votan along with uh sisters of battle showed huge increases over the last week in terms of another players who finished into the mid table range and uh, almost 10 percent increases in their numbers also seeing a large surge in white scars but uh, not a whole lot i mean there's they were their numbers were pretty low so percentage wise it looks a lot bigger than it really is but uh, armies that uh, don't even bother planning for it because they're just stagnant and uh, hardly being played. Uh, Black Templars, Thousand Sons, Ultramarines, Salamanders, Raven Guard, White Scars, Prial Fists, Death Watch, and Crimson Fists. Um, all of them posted minimal gains from the previous week and represent a minuscule amount of the meta at this point. So, Yeah, overall, right... I'm pretty sure the meta is it's on its way out because of the fact that everyone is preparing for 10th edition and you're either buying up armies in droves because you want to try to figure out what's going to be good at the start of the new edition, which let's face it, it will most likely be space Marines and or Tyranids because that's how the editions work. The, because they're going to be the first one with a codec, they will be, 
really, really good at the start of the edition. And then they'll probably end up suffering the codex problem of being the first. And who knows? Though they might be outpaced by other things later down the road, just as the edition always kind of happens. So I pose this question to Ray off, can- off uh, air, and I'll pose it to you on the air. So what they've promised, Games Workshop, that is, that on day of release, all the data cards will be available, all the data slates, and that the codices would include detachments. And each detachment will have its own six, I think it was six or eight stratagems. I can't remember which one it was. Basically a handful of stratagems and enhancements, which is your warlord traits and or relics combined. So does that mean when a codex comes out, all you're getting that the stat lines for all your units? I'm going to assume that if it doesn't stay close to the same, it's going to be like a, a drastic reimagining of what a unit does. So like, for instance, you have this, like, like let's take Assault Terminators. Assault Terminators are pretty one-trick pony. They walk forward and they hit stuff. How you mm-hmm. want them to hit stuff Oh, do you want them to have power fists, chain fists, lightning claws, or thunder hammers? Or if you want to be really cheap, give them like power swords. <laughs> um, and okay. going down the list, you have the power sword, the power fist, and lightning claw. Okay, all of those. Okay, so lightning claw and power sword hit on threes. Chain fist, power fist, and thunder hammer hit on fours. The the thunder hammer is like anti vehicle, like anti infantry three plus or something. Like or two or something like that. Uh, something fairly simple. You now put it into the Space Marine Codex. That Thunder Hammer is now swinging at base strength ten, at like AP three, and it's has some like weird version of the Melter Rule. Like that would be for the data for the data sheet changes. It would be like a either a drastic upgrade of some kind, or you know just a a book wide reprinting of it with more of the keywords for other faction abilities that may or may not exist in the codex whereas yeah i'll be curious because it seems like ever like last edition every codex that came out certain units just got major mm-hmm. glow-ups and i wonder if those days I'm, are behind i'm us. pretty sure they're so. not going to do major glow-ups all that often anymore just because of the fact that we're doing a hard reset everything else is already getting a humongous glow-up as is a lot of times and Plus, we have the detachment abilities, which is going to drastically change how the game plays. Because the current detachments are just fill out these slots and play your army with all of your crazy rules in the book. Yeah, especially when you look at Arcs of Omen, there's there's almost no restrictions as long as you, you use the big Arc of Omen attachment and you can choose a patrol for allies. So. But yeah, you still have the 40-odd uh, stratagems that just get layered on top yeah, of each other. But so. otherwise, I'm not going to try and speculate too much about what's coming in the next edition because I want to be surprised about whether or not things are going to feel better or feel worse because I'm already excited for what I've seen so far and I don't want to try and wishlist things into existence. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath with a little more with the terrain update. I think that'd be that would really help. And I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about the the missions, seeing what they do. Um, I'm with you there. I just rather than hope and pray or speculate, I'm just surprised me with how we're doing missions moving forward. Curious how. I guess that, the only thing that, that I do like. demand about missions: yeah. do not bring back the relic. Do not do that. <laughs> 
yeah, that was a f less than fun. Especially uh, which store we were at. I don't think they're still in business. Oh yeah, they are. They um, they're at that point they were fairly new, and they had this piece of terrain. It was gargantually huge. I think it was like sixteen by sixteen. This like orc mount mountain. Oh, I know exactly what piece you're talking about. Oh god, I hated that thing so much. Well, my opponent thought if I put the relic at the top of the uh, location, you won't be able to get it. <laughs> And um, this is like a, he doesn't know I have the fly keyword. Okay, what's what's? And I literally just watched him for two turns of waste movement going up because you can only if you're holding the relic, you cannot move faster than six inches, regardless of your movement characteristic. And so he wastes like two, three turns waiting up there. And then I'm like, okay, I charge. What? You can't? Oh, oh yes, you can. There's a lot of that. There was a lot of the old um, frontline gaming, you know, when you had the uh, terrain, especially the Necron terrain, yeah. those large obelisks. Let's just put the relic. Let's put the relic on top there. No one else. Can or the it. the old air or the old airbase hangar. I don't think that was out yet. I think that's one of their newer pieces. That might have been an eighth edition uh, release, but I don't remember seeing that. It was just it was bad. It was just like oh, stupid relicness. So um, yeah, uh, there's thousand one stories about the the, the ridiculousness of the relic. It was where it did make fun. I, I don't want to maybe be all negative about it. Uh, the initial ITC missions, um, what they did was they took two book missions and combined them together. So for example. One mission might be relic with big guns never tire. So relic, if you hold the relic, it's worth five points. If you win big guns never tire, it was worth three points, and I think kill points was worth one point. So there's a chance you could come back, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it was four three one, and you could force the tie. I forgot how it went, something like that. So it was just like ah, the, I won't be able to secure the relic, so I got to win the other two objectives and still keep this game close. So we had stuff like that. That was that wasn't too bad. Yeah, but problem, I know so. overall. The, the the top 10 rankings and stuff like that the it's still early into the season and i don't think we're going to see anything super concrete except for who's in the first spot right now and so the good news is looking at the ic top 10 for this week all but um one player have now completed six events so they're all kind of on a even keel in terms of points earned at this point and uh, so let's go over that. Uh, tenth place, uh, Brenton Weiss with 1,032 points. Ninth place, Nicholas Rose. Uh, eighth place, Adam Lane. Seventh place, Nick Herting. Uh, sixth, Martin Cooper, which I believe was the Orc player you were talking about earlier. Uh, fifth place was Stephen Corrales. Fourth place, Christopher Radford. Third place, Jason McKenzie. Second place, Stephen Crawley. And in first place, we brought him up. He had a big win over the weekend. Manny Chima with 1,389 Yeah, the, the amount of points that we each get per big tournament win is just astronomical. It's ridiculous that... I remember back when I first started looking at competitive 40k, I, if you had more than like 700 points, it was a ridiculously good season. Now we're up to like the early thousands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they made some tweaks, because it was also the big thing was back in those days as well, um, you win. L I mean, LVO was worth like 500 points. You know, it was just like was such a huge because of the population and number of people that showed up. It was just worth so many more points, and they they scaled that back. So, 
so it doesn't become whoever wins LVO as pretty much a shoe in to win the ITC. But on the same token, yeah, you get a lot of points for just kind of showing up. So get out there and play. You know, it's still have a chance, and there's the game's still a lot of fun. And um, even with the news of a new edition, there's still a yep. lot of like I know our play. local league is wrapping up in these next two weeks, which I'm hoping to perform better at this time around. That's that's a lot of praying and hoping. But I mean, I like my knights list so far. It's done me well. It's also well, fun to roll bucks of dice. <laughs> that is true. That is a lot of fun. Now I'm sticking with my my army so far. It's getting the job done. I'm not getting as many reps as I'd like, but um, uh, still, uh, it, it's catching the right people by surprise, and it gets it plays well to my play style. So I'll just keep uh, pushing forward with it. So pretty happy with it at this point. So, but yeah, as I look at these new changes, um, I, I'm kind of relooking, especially at the data slate. Don't see a lot of changes I'd make to my list, although I will take another glance at Talos now that they have core again. Maybe might yeah, stick one or two. Maybe, maybe there, not. So. Yeah, they are still really points heavy, so that's where I'm like, uh. So, I think the, I have quite a few grotesques in my list right now, so it does um, points value might make but, more sense. Yep. To those Otherwise, there, so. yeah, there's not a lot going on for 40k right now, except for the anticipation of 10th edition here in a few months, and I'm hoping that I can get plenty of games in to have ninth edition end on a really positive note absolutely and then uh last but not least uh speaking of events this will most likely be a 10th edition uh rule set because the event is until uh last the uh, second weekend in september so 8th and 9th the smite club open our tickets have gone on sale and they are there's an early bird special where you can save, I believe, is $20 on your ticket. So uh, uh, buy your tickets now in advance. Uh, save quite a bit of money and for a great event. Uh, we'll be once again back at the um, Bellbank Park, uh, which in Mesa. And uh, more details to follow. You can take a look at their website for more additional uh, information about the event. But obviously that far out. Uh, Hopefully we'll have um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of mission rules and everything else for tenth edition yep. at that point. And so. expect great terrain. We will do the best with what we can if the if the terrain traits do change. And it would be super exciting to see you all there. And maybe maybe Eric can get another game in or two. We'll see. Um, yeah, lots still between now and then. So I'm looking forward to it though. So in the meantime, any other updates, we'll be posting those both on our Facebook page as well as our Instagram feed. Uh, but until then, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. <laughs>